As I begin this morning, I want to tell you about a little parakeet named Chippy. His story was written up in the Galveston newspaper about 20 years ago, and it's been related also by Max Lucado and uh, James Dobson. But uh, it's a true story from what I understand. And little Chippy was just sitting singing happily in his cage one day when his owner was cleaning house with a vacuum cleaner. And she noticed that there's some debris in the bottom of Chippy's cage. And so she opened up the door and she stuck the uh, end of the vacuum pipe into Chippy's little cage there and began cleaning out the cage. And that was working real well. She was real proud of herself when the phone rang. She turned around to answer the phone and all of a sudden she looked back. Chippy was gone. Now she knew what had happened and she immediately threw down the phone, cut off the vacuum cleaner, opened up the canister, dug out the bag and found poor little Chippy. Now little Chippy was still alive, thank goodness, but he was really dazed and confused and he was just so covered in dirt and grime and all the stuff out of the bag that the owner took him into the bathroom and ran him under cold water, just rinsed him off real well. And then she noticed that poor little Chippy was freezing, just sitting there, just shivering from all the cold water that had just been blasted, he'd been blasted with. And so she, to dry him off, she grabbed the hair dryer, turned it on, and next thing you know, poor little Chippy is being blasted with hot air. Well, later, a reporter got wind of what happened to poor little Chippy, and he recorded poor little Chippy's story in the newspaper. Uh, just the amazing thing that he had survived such a thing. But whenever he called back a few days or a few, a couple of weeks later to check and see how little Chippy was doing, the owner said, well, you know, He's just really not the same. He just kind of sits there and his uh, in his cage and just kind of stares. Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. Now, it could be that some of you, just like Chippy, have been blasted, have been sucked up in life, have been just doused with cold water. In fact, I would imagine nearly every one of you in some way has gone through something that has just shaken you so that it's just about taken away your song. Well, those things happen in life. And the thing is, Jesus, whenever he gave his mission statement in the Gospel of Luke, he addressed just such people as you. Listen to what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. That was his mission statement. You know, I, I ran across uh, uh, an account where a preacher not long ago uh, told his congregation that this should be their mission statement as well. And you know, he's right. This is the mission statement of every Christian because every one of us are disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
And we should be showing forth through our lives more and more of him every day. And that being said, this should be our ministry statement as well. But the thing is, before you can minister to others, you need to be ministered to yourself by your master. I know a lot of people that have gotten into church to do good things for others. They really wanted to do good things, and and so they got into church to minister. But you know, uh, an old black woman told a preacher one day, whenever she heard what he was getting ready to preach about, and she knew it was nothing that he had been through, she told him, you know, you can't preach about something you ain't lived no more than you can come back from somewhere you ain't never been before. And you know what? She's right. You cannot preach about something that you haven't lived any more than you can come back from someplace you haven't been before. That's the truth. And so before you start ministering to others, you need to be sure that you have allowed your master to minister to you. With that in mind, I want to go through what he said another time, and I want to just kind of break it down. He has anointed me. He starts off, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is upon him. He has anointed. Then he goes on and he says, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, the poor are those who are in need, those who know that they have a need and that there's nothing they themselves can do about it. That's the poor that are being talked about here. You know, the evidence of the Holy Spirit of the Lord being upon him were the miracles he performed. Those miracles were to let it be made clear that he was anointed that he was authorized officially, that he was consecrated, specifically ordained and commissioned, that he was empowered authentically and realistically by God to carry out a mission. And that mission was evidenced through the miracles that he performed. It was was confirmed through the miracles that he performed. And so he says, because he anointed me, to bring good news to those who are in need. God has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, those whose hearts have been shattered into pieces, those who have had life events that have hit them so hard that their heart has just been broken. He has sent me to proclaim, to herald, to shout out like a public crier, release to the captives, to prisoners, to those who are held in bondage, and to tell them you have been set free and recovery of sight to the blind, to restore or give sight to, to the blind, to, and also to give freedom to those who are oppressed. Those who are oppressed are those who have been downtrodden, bruised, crushed, broken down by the different forces of life. 
I venture to say that every one of you listening to this is needy in some way that's mentioned here. Either you're brokenhearted or you're being held prisoner by something from your past or some sort of habit or some sort of lifestyle that's keeping you from being what you know the Lord created you to be. Or it may be that you can't even see what your need is. Well, he has come for you. Some of you have been oppressed. Some of you have been abused. Some of you have had things happen in life that it's like you have just been crushed underfoot. And he has come to let you know that you can be set free. And yet, so many times, we wind up not allowing the Lord to minister to us. So this is the question I have for you today. Have you allowed our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to minister to you at your point of need? You know, Paul tells us to uh, not be drunk with wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, to be a drunkard, means to have your life dominated by alcohol. To be a drug addict means to have your life dominated by drugs. And what he is saying here is don't let your life be dominated by anything. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yield your life to the Holy Spirit in such a way that your life is dominated by your relationship with God. Now, I want you to know that as you allow your life to be, a dom- to be dominated by him, you will change. You know, I've told you before, I'll, I'll say it again. What we're supposed to be doing in walking along in our relationship with Jesus is you give as much of yourself as you know to as much of God as you understand. And as you do so, you will change. I told you last week about how uh, I realized that yelling wasn't accomplishing any good thing in trying to correct my children. And so I quit yelling at them. And I just spoke in a regular voice. And my kids, who had become accustomed to hearing my voice reach a certain level before they even started to pay attention, all of a sudden had to start listening. You see, whenever you change, then those around you wind up changing also. Well, I want to share with you the way that all this comes together. And I want to share another incident from my own life to do so. It's after I've been uh, in the ministry for some time, and I was teaching a uh, uh, out of a book by Larry Crabb, which is an excellent book, uh, by the way. It's called Inside Out. That's Inside Out by Larry Crabb. And he was talking in his book about how uh, you may wind up finding things in your life that just seem out of kilter, like Maybe you wind up having uh, 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 bad moods whenever you're in certain situations that don't seem to fit with the situation, that you might find yourself getting angry 
in certain situations, and you really shouldn't be angry in those situations. Well, I had discovered such a thing about myself. I had discovered two areas of my life that I wound up uh, just getting out of sorts. One was whenever I was cooking. I love to cook because uh, I love to eat, but what would happen would be I would be in the kitchen. I decided I was going to fix a meal for the family, and someone would come in the kitchen, start messing around with the pots or something like that, maybe lift a lid on something that the lid wasn't supposed to be lifted on, and uh, I would wind up barking at people. In fact, it was so bad, I finally made a rule that uh, nobody comes into the kitchen while dad's cooking. It was so bad because I would start out wanting to do something wonderful for my family. I love my family. But in the process, by the time I got through, everybody wished I had just stayed out of the kitchen. Well, that wasn't right. And I knew it wasn't right. And another place was whenever I was working on cars, I would find myself... Uh, fine as long as nobody was around. But if anybody came around, I would start to get tense. I would be terse and, uh, and, and just not in a good mood as long as people are around, maybe trying to talk to me or something. And uh, I knew that this wasn't right. And the woman who taught me how to cook could laugh and joke and teach me. The guys who taught me how to work on cars they could laugh and joke and be pleasant while they were working on cars and teach me how to do what they were doing. And I remember just praying, Lord, what's wrong here? And so then I come across this in uh, Larry Crabb's book, and I ask myself, "Is do I have some, what, what's, what's going on here? And Larry Crabb said that if you have these kinds of things happening that just seem to be like out of kilter with what's really going on, you're probably suffering from a deep sorrow or sadness that hasn't been dealt with. Well, I, I couldn't think of any deep sorrows or sadness in my own life. So I, I asked the Lord, I just prayed and said, and said, Lord, is this what's wrong with me? If so, Show me so I can do something about it. And all of a sudden, the Lord just kind of took me back in my life to where when I was just a little boy and I was uh, standing in a dirt road by my dad's service station. I was standing there with tears running down my eyes and I was out of my eyes and I was angry. I was about nine years old. What had happened, I wanted to go out I wanted to play football. I'm sorry, I wanted to play soft. No, nope, I'm going to get it right yet. I wanted to play baseball. And other kids had told me, whatever I'd asked them, who taught you how to pitch? Who taught you how to throw? Said, my dad taught me. So I wanted my dad to teach me how to throw and how to catch. And so one day uh, I was bugging him about it. He says, all right, come on. He took uh, the ball and the glove I had. We went around on the side. He threw the ball and I couldn't catch it. And uh, then he said, throw it back to me. I couldn't throw it. And in the process of me trying to catch and trying to throw, 
All he did was yell at me and tell me how dumb and stupid I was because I couldn't throw or catch a ball. And the moment that the Lord took me back to, he was stomping away, yelling over his shoulder, angry at me for being so dumb and stupid that I couldn't throw or catch. And I remember standing there angry, thinking, there's something not right with this picture. I asked you to teach me how to do something that now you're just telling me I'm dumb and stupid because I can't do it and you haven't taught me how. And I decided right then, well, I can see right now, I can't count on you. So I think I'm just going to have to take care of myself. If I'm going to learn anything, I'm going to have to find out how to do it myself. And so I decided right then, I don't need you and you're not going to make me cry anymore. And I became a very self-sufficient little boy. And I learned how to do a lot of things. And I can do a lot of things. And uh, that was one of the things that, that the Lord just showed me all of a sudden. And then he immediately took me uh, to a point where I was uh, standing under a car in the bay of my dad's service station, servicing a car. And my dad again has come up and barked at me about something that wasn't even my fault and is turning around and stomping off. And I'm standing there under the car working angry at my dad. Well, as I, I, I thought, so I just prayed about it. I said, Lord, what is it with this? What is it? And he made it clear that my deep sorrow or sadness was what Larry Crabb had pointed out. And it turns out, that many people, that deep sorrow or sadness is that we didn't have the parents that we wished that we'd had, or we didn't have the childhood that we'd wished we had had. And somehow we have never let go of the hope of being able to fix that in some way. And I realized that that was my deep sorrow and my deep sadness that I didn't have the father that I'd wished that I'd had. Now, I must say, he was the best father that he knew how to be, but from what I experienced of it, it just wasn't what I really wished that I'd had. I didn't have a dad like other kids did. So I, uh, I had already forgiven my dad for many things from my past, but I realized I needed to forgive him for not being the sort of father that I wished that he had been. And I went on looking at the stuff in Larry Crabb and the, in Larry Crabb's book, Inside Out. And I saw that what we have to do when something like that happens is first of all, accept reality that we don't have a time machine. I don't know how many of you ever saw the movie Field of Dreams, but if you, do you remember what he was doing, uh, what the main character was doing at the end of that movie? He was playing catch with his dad. When that happened, and I saw him doing that, you see, it's something that he'd always wished that he could do, but his dad had died before he could do it. But here he was getting to do something that he wished he could do that he missed out on. Well, there are many men and many women that are still hoping and wishing that they could go back and change their past in some way. But the reality is we cannot. And if 
the parent that caused you the pain is still alive. They need to be forgiven. If they're not still alive, they still need to be forgiven so that that bitterness will not be destroying your own heart. So we need to, number one, forgive them for not being the parents that they should have been. But then the other thing, the most important thing, is we need to then, after that, grieve our past, accept the fact that we are not going to be able to go back and change it, and instead, let it go. Because you see, the Lord has a present and a future for you that are good. Just like he says in his mission statement here. You see, he came to free us from those things in our past that hold us so that we can live in the present and look forward to the future. So if you have been holding on to anything like that, and if you have something in your past that you grieve or that you haven't, you haven't let go of and you haven't been willing to grieve it and let it be gone, I want to encourage you to start that process. And it may be that you need to just lay down and cry by in accepting the fact that it's over and that you can't change it and let it go. If you have to soak your, your pillow with tears, do it. But let me tell you something. As you do so in the process, tell the Lord how much it hurts. Tell the Lord how deep that hurt goes. And you know what? You will sense his healing presence coming in and healing your broken heart. Well, I did that. And I was able to forgive my dad for not being the parent, to love him for being who he was, and to uh, continue to have a good relationship or a relationship with him that was better than it had ever been before. Because from that point on, I was a grown-up in his presence. And not there wasn't some little four-year-old kid or eight-year-old kid or whatever uh, running around in my in the inside of me hoping to get things different with my dad. That wasn't going to happen. But see, uh, all of a sudden, I could have a present and a future even with my father. Well, whenever I got through that, all of a sudden something hit me. Who's the person that wound up being in the way more than any other in the kitchen? Who's the person who was standing there when I reached for a tool when I was working on my car and I couldn't reach it because a foot was in the way or was asking me a question about something. It was my little boy. And something just cut me to the quick because I realized I had told myself I was never going to be the sort of father to my children that my dad was to me. And yet I'd wound up being the same sort of father. Not in exactly the same ways, but I still wound up, you see, being a father who was present, but not really there. And that killed me. And I prayed and I asked the Lord to show me ways to undo what I had done because I realized my father had just passed his pain on to me and not even knowing. You see, I was blind to it. You see, Jesus restored sight to the blind. 
I was blind to the fact that I was passing my pain on to my children. And so I asked the Lord to show me how to undo it. And he showed me. You see, it says whatever uh, God revealed himself to Moses, he sees, he called, tells that he shows mercy to thousands. But then he also says that he visits the sins of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation. I didn't want my sin to continue to be passed on to my grandchildren. And so I was able to get with the one who I'd hurt the most and explain to him what I had discovered about myself, confess it, ask his forgiveness. And there was a healing in a relationship that I didn't even know needed fixing. Well, I tell you this today as a wounded healer, as one who is continuing to move on to perfection, trying my best to uh, live uh, being filled with the Spirit, doing the best to live daily with my life, being dominated by His Holy Spirit instead of by other things that can get in the way so that I can move on in becoming that person that He has created me to be. And so I encourage you, I encourage you to let the Lord do his work in your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.